Welcome to What We Believe, the podcast of the RCI program at St. Paul's. The RCIA program offers an overview of the Catholic faith in order to initiate students into the full life of the church. The following episodes are recorded live at St. Paul's Catholic Student Center. If you have questions or would like to join RCA, you can find more information on our website at uwcatholic.org. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the opportunity to come together to learn more about you, to know you, to love you, to serve you. Guide our conversation, our discussion this evening. Be with us, fill our minds, our hearts with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so tonight is a very exciting night. You get an upgrade in your teacher, because in a few moments, Father Eric Sternberg is going to take over and actually do the lesson for today, Who is Jesus and the Paschal Mystery? And we've set it up that the first of the month, uh, Father Eric will teach, which is awesome. So you get a little bit of both. Different people have different teaching styles and emphasis, so I think it should be a good opportunity. He knows way more than I do as well, so he's a better resource anyway. So you've got a treat tonight. But I just wanted to start with a quick review, as we always do, just what we covered and to kind of footstomp some of the important things of last week. So if you remember last week, at the beginning, I preached the gospel to you. I used these four terms answering four questions, these terms of creation, fall, redemption, response, asking the question of why is there something instead of nothing? Well, God created it. Why is it so obviously messed up? We screwed it up. What has God done about it? Well, he sent his son to die on the cross for us, to show us the true gift of life, and to redeem us and restore us into relationship. And then, what are you going to do about it? What is your response? And I did that intentionally, not using any biblical reference of just preaching the gospel. But I wanted to now, as we review this, go in and you can actually see very clearly how the story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, fits very nicely into the Bible. So creation is covered in the book of Genesis, the very first opening of the Bible, chapters 1 and 2. Then the fall is covered in chapter 3. And if you've ever kind of done a, oh, I want to read the Bible start to finish, people get really, really uh, confused very quickly. And really, you've got creation and fall right at the start, and then redemption is literally the rest of the Bible, you could say. It's kind of a framework to get in your, um, to understand how we understand the Bible as a whole. And that was why I sent you a video to watch. If you haven't watched it, it was on the weekly email, and it's in the group me. And it's a short video covering salvation history by Dr. John Bergsma. And he goes through all of what is the story of redemption through the understanding of what's called a covenant. And we'll come back to this idea much more in depth as we go. So don't feel like you have to understand everything that was in there. I just wanted to give you the kind of big picture idea of how do we make sense of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And understanding this idea of covenants that God is always calling out to his people and uniting them to him, but he does it through stages. And so you saw how the original covenant was with Adam, but then Adam broke the commandments of God. And then God reaches out to Noah and brings more people, a family, and then Noah falls. But then there's this figure of Abraham, a key figure in all religion. Because if you're seriously inquiring about who is God, you can look 
at literally about half of the people in the world believe in a faith that is rooted back to the person of Abraham. So a super key figure that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism all make claims back to Abraham. So it's actually a really important figure in history to take a look at. And just to kind of see that there were promises given to Abraham that he would be a great nation. And you actually see that later fulfilled in the person of Moses. That there was a promise to Abraham that he would, be, uh, would great, make a great name, would become royalty, would be a king, you can say. And that was fulfilled in David. But you see, actually, again, mistakes and errors. You see sin in both Moses and David. So they can't be the one that these promises are ultimately given to. And so what the Catholic Church understands is that, and this is, what, this is part of Revelation, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the new and everlasting covenant. That this once and for all final reaching out of God to all of his people to bring them into a family. What was promised to in Abraham was called a universal blessing, a blessing for all the nations. And what's so beautiful, the word universal literally is the word Catholic. The word Catholic means universal according to the whole. That part of even why we call ourselves the Catholic Church is that this is Jesus fulfilling the promises of Abraham, but not promises for a specific subset of people, but for literally the whole world to unite all times and all nations. And that's what we believe Jesus has done. And you're going to hear more about how Jesus has done that um, tonight through Father Eric's teaching. But then lastly, then, this understanding of response. This is faith. This is our response to what God has done to us, for us. And then the life of grace in the church, how we live this life is our response, how we answer this call to the gospel. We're going to cover that more in the next couple weeks going forward. So I wanted to re-give you the gospel there, creation, fall, redemption, and response. And then the other part that we covered last week was where is the authority of the Catholic Church come from? And I said something that perhaps you had never heard, that we say unquestionably, the authority of the Catholic Church, the thing that we submit to in all forms and in whatever um, revelation it comes, is the Word of God. The Word of God is what what we live by. And what is the Word of God is a very key and important question. Because we understand, as we were talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that it was revealed that this Son is the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word of God incarnate, the Word who has taken on flesh. So in the Word of God who is a person, so that's what you want to think of. When I hear the Word of God, before I think Bible, before I think text, The Word of God is a person, the person Jesus of Nazareth, the person Jesus who is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of these covenants. And so much of everything we believe just comes down to this right here, the revelation of Jesus, the fullness of who God is revealed in Jesus Christ. So that's why tonight's a very important. So how do we know about the Word of God? Well, we know about him through the person of Jesus Christ who was revealed in time and history. And then, though, this word of God was passed on. It was passed on through tradition, the preaching of the word of God, that the apostles went out and told others about this person, Jesus, that they were with, that that he really, truly was raised from the dead. 
and ascended into heaven, and now they spent the rest of their lives preaching that. So you actually hear even today's second reading. To receive, the Thessalonians, Paul says, thank you for receiving the word of God as it, or the, receiving my message as it truly is, the word of God. The message given by the apostles is in fact the word of God. Then later this word of God is written down in what we refer to as scripture. And so the authority of the church is the word of God, who is a person, Jesus Christ, given to us through tradition and scripture. And then this one is very important, interpreted and understood by the magisterium, the teaching authority of the Catholic church. And at this point, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty. There's a lot we can get into later about what exactly is the magisterium? How does it work? But to understand that when there are real questions, when there's how do we understand who this word of God is, what he's teaching, that there is an authority within the church, within the magisterium. That is the College of Bishops in union with the Pope, the Holy Father. But a very important thing, and this is often very confused, especially in certain Protestant denominations. If you're coming from a non-Catholic Protestant background, there's sometimes people would say, well, this church can't be real because you're making men equal to these other, you're making the magisterium, the teaching authority, equal to scripture. And what's really beautiful, you can look at the exact documents of the church where the magisterium serves the word of God. That the magisterium are the one who <laughs> submit themselves to the word of God. And so many of these kind of questions in the church about, should we do this, should we do that? A lot of times the magisterium of the church says, I don't we don't have authority to change this. This is the word of God. So the word of God is our authority, and you just have to really, really understand that, okay? So the last couple things that I'll just say then is because as we're trying to figure out where does this belief come from, where do you Catholics get this, or where does it, you know, the question is almost where, is in, the Bi- where in the Bible does it say this? You probably had that asked to you a million times. And my encouragement is to start changing the framework and realizing that that's not the best question to ask. If you want to ask where in the Bible do we get this teaching from, be happy to show you. Because everything that we believe can be understood through the lens of Scripture. But the better question is, where in the deposit of faith do you Catholics get this idea of praying to the saints? Where in the deposit of faith does it say that Mary was without sin? And what that's asking is saying, okay, where in the word of God? Where in the person of Jesus, passed down through tradition and written in scripture, do we get this teaching? And so the deposit of faith, remember, it's this three-legged stool of tradition, scripture, and magisterium. And if you remove one of them, even just one of them, you cannot fully know the deposit of faith, the contents of what God wants to reveal. And almost every single debate of Christian faith and religion between Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, or whoever comes down to denying the authority of tradition or the authority of the magisterium. Okay? So this is our framework. Where in the deposit of faith? And the deposit of faith is the faithful handing on of the word of God. And so the last thing that I'll say is this idea of faith. We've talked about it. Faith is personal adherence to what or to who? To God himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
and that which God has revealed, the contents of revelation. Or we could say now, faith is in God himself and in the deposit of faith. That this is something solid that you can put your faith in. And to understand that faith is this personal adherence to God and all that he has revealed. But at the end of the day, faith is primarily a gift to be received. You're going to hear a lot more about that when it comes to what is justification, what is salvation, what is baptism, what does it do, why do we baptize infants in the Catholic tradition? Well, to understand that faith is something received to us. And this was one of the questions I received. So it doesn't in any sense really depend on my cognitive ability to choose this. So this is why faith, as we talked about, especially through divine revelation, is this great equalizer that really puts us all on the same level footing to understand who God is and what he wants you to know for your life. Okay? So as we're going through this, my encouragement to you all, and you should all write this down, pray for the gift of faith every single day. Remember that this is not just an assent to a bunch of propositions. It's a relationship with a person who wants to meet you, who wants to be the center of your life, who wants to lead you to the truth of who he is and then who you are. So pray for the gift of faith. Awesome. With that, we're going to turn it over to our pastor, Father Eric Sternberg, to pick up where I left off to talk us more about this person of Jesus, who he is, and what the Paschal Mystery is. So again, my name is Father Eric Sternberg. I am the pastor here. I am your pastor, which gives me certain rights and duties, one of which is I am to guarantee that you're being taught the faith rightly, to witness Father Tim and Riley and all your good mentors and so on and so forth. But I think it's a good idea you see your pastor every once in a while, know that he thinks things and, and cares about you and so on. So thus, I get the first Sunday of every month. <clears throat> Not because I and more genius than Father Tim. That's not the point here. So, let's go to this, because we are constricted by time. God save us, all right? All things constricted by time. Who is Jesus, right? We're sort of in the redemption response part of this. Now, I'll start with an anecdote. I went to seminary in Mundelein, Illinois. Some of you are from the greater Chicago area. Go back, etc. All right, so uh, on Sundays, we were bidden to not go to Mass at the seminary, to go to Mass somewhere else. You get on the great interstate and drive to all the wonderful, wonderful churches in the greater Chicago area. And every Sunday, because Mundelein's on the very northern part, head south down the interstate. And for two straight years, there was this huge billboard, right? You know in, in Chicago and there's all these billboards, it's Brian Urlacher, grow your hair back billboards, those kinds of things, right? There was a big neon green billboard with big black letters that said, just give me Jesus. And it was awesome to drive by that and honk and be like, right on, whoever's paying way too much money for that sign. All right. Because, yes, this is, Jesus is, who is, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you know that famous passage from Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? And Simon arose and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then, of course, the very famous response that opens up the door to all of this. 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, his natural name. For I tell you, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father, revelation, right? Therefore I say unto you, you are Peter, right? The new name. And upon this rock, and we can get into, he'll teach that in the church section. Upon this rock, Petra, rock, Peter, you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I shall give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And if you go to the great patriarchal archbasilica of St. Peter's in the Vatican, and that massive church under the main dome and the huge altar, you'll see up above written in six foot tall letters. They don't look six feet tall because they're 120 feet up, right? You see that exact passage and right there in the dead center is this massive stone altar built right on the top of the tomb of Simon Barjona called Petrus Peter, right? On whom this rock, the faith of the church. This is, that is who Jesus is. The Christ, the son of the living God. So let's get into that. Christ, from the Greek Christus, meaning anointed one, which is the same meaning as the Hebrew, right? I won't say it. My Hebrew is super terrible, all right? But, uh, you know, Meshiach or Messiah, all right? Messiah means anoint, the anointed of God. The fulfillment, Moses, David, right? Moses says, a prophet like unto me, the Lord shall raise up. That's why when the Lord Jesus does things like multiply low, you read those multiplications, the low stories, what does it say? People get super excited and, quote, want to carry off and make him king, right? Oh, they know he's, this is Messiah stuff, right? He is son of David, right? This is why St. Joseph is so important. Little, not to get too up, but that's why St. Joseph is important. Joseph is the house and line of David, and the angel appears to Joseph and said, don't be your pregnant wife who you didn't get pregnant, which is awkward for you. We get it. That's hard to explain, but it's okay. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, and Joseph's like, great, okay. He accepts in faith. Take her into your home. Make her your wife. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because in the Jewish religion, who you are born from and who sired you, you know what sired means, right? Get it? Right? Who you are born from and who sired you does not make you a child of that family. When you are born, you're set on your father's knees, and when he names you, you become a child of that family. So, right? By the way, the Catholic Church holds this with our laws on adoption and marriage. In the Catholic Church, if you are adopted, you are a child of that family. Full stop. That's why you can't marry your adoptive brother. Sidebar, remember that? Okay, right? Because you're a part, we hold to that, right? So what makes Christ the son of David is that he is the son of St. Joseph, right? Adopted as it were, but truly. So he is the mosaic. He is in the house in the line of David. Then we get into priestly kinds of things because David is both king and priest, right? You read the Old Testament. David is king who also offers sacrifice. Moses is prophet who also offers sacrifice. Very important. 
the Christ, the anointed, combines, right? Moses, not a king, but offers priestly sacrifice. David, not a prophet as such, offers sacrifice. Christ is the prophet king who offers the sacrifice, right? Why is he, right? What is the great foreshadowing? The Paschal mystery. Let's get into this fancy pants word, right? $6 word, Paschal. I went to Catholic school, Father, I know it, right? Paschal, right? From the Greek, Pascha, the Hebrew, Passover, right? The Passover, the Pasch. You know the Passover story from ancient Israel? They're slaves in Egypt and the seven plagues. You all saw the king of Egypt, Val Kilmer is the voice of Moses. You all watched it when you were little, right? If not, go home, watch the prince of Egypt. It'll tell you all these things. Actually, quite a good job. It was a pretty good biblical narrative, right? And the last plague is the death of the firstborn. Good. We all went to school. Very good, all right? And what has to happen? You have to sacrifice a lamb, unblemished lamb and paint the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death passes over. So Christ God, right? Christ the son of the living God. And here we get into, right, the prophet Isaiah, you know this, he shall be called Wonder Counselor, God, Hero, Father forever, Prince of Peace, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us, right? You read it every night on the Christmas Midnight Mass. If you go to the late Mass like heroes do, you hear the prophecy from Isaiah. If you go to the early Mass, it's okay too. That's fine. It's not a judgment. All right. So he is God with us, all right? We'll get to this in the trial of Jesus, right? The high priests say, Are you the Christ? the Son of the living God, and Jesus says, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man is right. I am is important here, right? He says this also in a couple of, right? He says in the Gospel of St. John, before Abraham came to be, I am. Which is grammatically terrible unless you understand, right? Let's go back to our Bible stories. Who remembers Moses in the burning bush? Also in the Prince of Egypt, by the way. But anyways, all right. Moses in the burning bush. Moses sees the bush that is burned but not consumed. He approaches. Remove your shoes. This is holy ground. You will go and free the Israelites. And then Moses says, When they ask, Who sent me? Whom shall I say? And the Lord God responds, Tell them, I am who I am. Sent you to them. I am delivered this message to you, right? The proper name of God, right? Being, again, it's the name we don't pronounce, right? It's the tetra, I'd write it, but it's the, anyone seen this? Stupid flyers, right? I might write it, right? I don't have it, I think it goes like this, right? It's the, all right? The Hebrew name of God. We don't, we don't say it, right? right. That's, but we never say it in the Mass, right? We never say this. Pious Jews don't say this. We don't, right? We say it in good English, Yahweh, all right, like good Midasteners would do. I am, you read Hebrew this direction, you learn that, all right? I am who I am, right? 
So Jesus makes Jesus unveiling, right? Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? I am. Right? Before Abraham could be, I am. I am God man. We get this right. She can see by the Holy Spirit. True God and true man, which makes him the Christ. Because the sacrifice in the Paschal mystery, it, the first Passover is the foreshadow, right? Slavery in Egypt through the death and blood of the Lamb. And the angel of death passes over. But what is the true slavery of humanity? The slavery to death. Right? Death that drives all our fears, all our strivings, right? Everything we do is the mad dash to stave off, hold off, or just have a decent time before you die, right? It's the slavery that drives us to do all these things, right? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die, the fool says in his heart. Because he is the one who breaks this slavery. How does he break this slavery? You understand it, right? Who did the sin? The man and the woman, right? Humanity. People. Who did they offend? Divinity, right? The infinite. So finite humanity offends the infinite creator. And therefore the offense is infinite, right? You offend an infinite being. The offense is by nature infinite. You are by nature finite. Therefore, we have no capacity to make good, as it were. We cannot, the debt is unfulfilled. I don't have the cash for it, or however you want to say that. I don't really like that, and that's not the most precise analogy, but it helps function, right? Thus the need. Thus God prepares, right? St. Paul says this in the letter of the Hebrews. Well, the author of Hebrews said in the letter of the Hebrews, right? In previous days, God spoke through the prophets in various manners. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, who is Christ and Lord, right? Son of the living God. Truly God and truly man. Which is why I won't cover the whole life of Christ, Father Tim, but that's why he can say things like, right, Moses said to you, you shall not kill. I say to you. Which is fascinating, right? Because did Moses say that? Technically, no. God said that to Moses, right? Who can elevate the divine law? Who can elevate what God says? Only God, Right? This gets to the C.S. Lewis thing. The, the question of faith, Jesus either liar, lunatic, or Lord, right? You know that tripart thing. He's either making it all up, or he's a crazy man who says things like, I'm God and my law is greater than God's, all right? People have YouTube channels that say that, right? Don't go to their church. <laughs> Lord, now we'll get to the Lordship. We'll get to the Lordship part, right? The Lordship now comes. Right? The Lordship now comes through the Paschal mystery, which is this death, right? the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Christ. That's what we mean by the Paschal mystery. The slaying of the Paschal lamb and the painting of the blood is the foreshadowing of right, the true lamb. And here's, we won't do the all prophecy list, right? Suffering servant of Isaiah, all right, the prince in priest in Ezekiel, the righteous judge in Jeremiah, and so on. We could do all that Bible study. That's good. But we'll get to what the, the heart of it here. That the Christ 
sets his face to Jerusalem, the holy city, where right, God planted his name. You know that? The ark where the name of God dwelt. I don't know if you, how much you've covered this, right? The Ark of the Covenant, give us to Moses. God says, this is the place where my name dwells. And then he has a temple built first by Solomon, and then a new one. We won't get, won't get too offline, but that, that's where the temple is, right? But the people of Israel are in a hard spot, right? The, the, the Ark has gone, right? Lost because of their infidelity. Their priesthood is invalid. It's, it's occupied by falsifiers and make-believers. They dress up, but it's not real. Their laws, their kingship is lost, right? Their king, Alexander the Great wiped it all out, right? And installed a, a puppet false king, right? So now we get into the passion, right? right? Roman governance of an invalid priesthood and a false kingship in comes Christ and Lord. And what does he do? He fulfills prophecy by entering the city on a donkey, right? We read that on, on Palm Sunday, all right? The colt, the foal of an ass, and then all the little kids go, he's an ass. All right, that happens every Sunday at Mass, all right? Not here, though, because you're grown-ups, all right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you guys laughed when you were six years old at it. You did, all right? <laughs> right? Right? But he fulfill, he enters, right, like the the promised king will enter on, right, not a war horse, but a, a beast of simple work. And they sing what? Hosanna to the king of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They give him the messianic salutations, which he receives. And what, is, what does he say? And the Pharisees say, stop your disciples from doing this. Right? They're doing the messianic things. They're heralding the messianic things. And what does our Lord say? If I stopped them, the very stones would cry out, right? This is, they're acknowledging reality and righteousness. And then he cleanses the temple. That famous story, whips and cords, cleanses the temple. Goes to stay with Lazarus and Mary, right? He goes to stay with the man he raised from the dead. Right? It's they were friends also, but prophetic testimony. Until he sends disciples into the city during the Passover, right? Prepare the room. They find the upper room and he enacts the Passover for the Jews and then at the end of this, if you want a full explanation, Scott Hahn's book, The Fourth Cup, does this quite perfectly, right? But at the, he goes through the Passover and at the end of the Passover, he takes what? The unleavened bread and consecrate it as his own self, right? This is my body, which will be given for you. He, cons he takes the, the fourth chalice of the, we won't go to the whole path, but of the chalice, and he then consecrates it. This is my blood, right? Then washes feet, consecrates his apostles' priests, tells them what I'm doing now, you understand, but you will understand later. And then the hymn to the Garden of Olives where it begins, right? So he goes to where? The garden, right? Infidelity happened in the garden. Fidelity will be renewed in the garden, right? The movie Passion of Christ does a good job of showing this physically, right? There, right? He unites perfectly his humanity with his divinity, right? Sweats blood. He's so 
intense in his unity with the divinity, right? Because he has a perfect human nature, just like you have. Absolute human. So everything you experience as a human, Jesus Christ experienced as a human, right? Had to clip his toenails and cut his hair and sleep and all the limitations you have, right? And then perfect divinity, a perfect infinite capacity, right? Which I'm just trying to, right, just comprehend this in a sense, the suffering that is, because the demonstration of the Christ is all right. You do not overwhelm power with power, right? You do not fight fire with, these are all the tools of death, right? Peter, they come to arrest Peter, grabs the sword and cuts off the ear, but all those who take up the sword die by the sword. And is arrested and brought before the Jewish authorities, and then the confession of faith, right? The last time he preaches to the high priest to try to convince them. Are you the Christ? I am. Again, it's beautifully displayed in the Passion of the Christ. You can see the actors are trying to like, I'm trying to appeal to you for the last time. I am. And there's this beautiful pause in the movie where you almost feel like they're going to be like, I knew, like, this is it. This is the Messiah. But then they don't, right? What does the high priest do? Rends his garment. Why? Why this? That's, it says in the old law, if someone blasphemes, you tear your garments. But it's this fascinating thing because the high priest's garment is never to be torn. It's, it's this, a demonstration of the invalidity of it all. All right? The high priest testifies, rending, right? The old priesthood is over. It's rent of their denial of the Messiah. And then it begins, right? And then our Lord enters into the whole drama of human history. Rejection, betrayal, St. Peter, I know not the man, abuse, loneliness, right? Down in the dark, cold cell, all right? If you want a tearjerker, you watch that scene in The Passion of the Christ, you see that after it's all over and, and you see the Virgin Mary come and she leans close to the ground and our Lord looks up. I think that's, we don't know that happened, but I like to think it did. That's good, right? Because right? then you start to build the union of the two hearts, the mother and the son, which we're going to get to that in the Paschal Mystery as well. And then what? He is confronted by the powers of the world, right? Pontius Pilate, who interestingly, he testifies to Pontius Pilate, right? All those who listen to the truth, hear my voice, right? You would have no power over me. We're not giving it to you above, all right? The trial of Christ before I lit rewrites all of human history, right? There's the higher thing called truth, and all worldly power answers to a higher power. And no one is bidden to bow to worldly power when higher power is at play, right? And then what? He sent to the high priest, who he doesn't even, or to the king. He sent to the to King Herod, who he knows he doesn't even talk to. Because well, he knows he's a fake. Won't even talk to him. Right? They send him back, and then it's the uproar, right? And then you're getting, he suffers, he's in the machine, if you will, of geopolitics. Roman oppression, Jews being fed up with it. You wouldn't like it. You get it, right? We don't want to be ruled by foreign powers. That's not awesome. Nobody likes it, right? 
God knows America has suffered at that opposite hands on that more than a couple of times, right? The Afghanis didn't like being ruled by foreign powers. Get out, right? It takes a while, but we get you out, right? Anyways, the machine of geopolitics he's caught in the jaws of. Then the scourging, right? That old human, maybe if we just vet it out on somebody. And then he's paying back the debt for what? All the violence all the degradation, and we won't mean the awful, all the awful, violated, abused, mocked. They mock his kingship. So again, all of, all the awfulest things we do to each other, he takes on. Now remember, it's the God-man taking these on. Remember, Jesus is not Savior because he is stoic. Jesus is Savior because he is the infinite one he offers, right? Because he can. He can pay it all back. He has the infinite capacity to pay it all back. And then even Pilate, right? His sweet wife who has the dream and says, have nothing to do with this man. Right? That's why husbands listen to your wives, all right? Just get him out of here. This is going to go badly for us, right? And the famous... Washing of the hands, right? You know that? See it? He tries to pretend I have nothing to do with, right? Jesus suffers all the excuses. Every, well, not my problem, not my fault, right? Right? He suffers deceit and, right? He loses the popularity contest, right? Barabbas, side note, right? Barabbar, in Hebrew means son of. Bar Abba. Son of the Father, right? So the false son of the Father is released while the true son of the Father suffers. In that famous scene, all right, we hear, Behold the man. It's one of the most famous scenes in Christian art. Ecce homo, behold the man. And it's so fantastic because he doesn't say ecce vir, right? Behold this man. He says, Ecce homo, behold mankind. And then Christ is unveiled as humanity as it truly is, right? Without all of our protections and fanciness, without all our clothes and makeup and uh, air conditioning, and which I like, by the way, but anyways, all right, and Taco Bell and cars, right? All the stuff. It's just, here's how you really are, right? And we hate it. Crucify him, right? And then he walks the way. Right? And it's the way of all human redemption, right? Surrounded yet alone, meeting his own mother, love, having the assistance of Simon of Cyrene, help is on the way. Right? Meeting the tears of the weeping women, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. If they do this, when the wood is green, what will they do when it's dry, right? Gets worse, people. <laughs> and then to the hill with the thieves, right? A common criminal amongst common criminals, just another thing under the boot heel of the great empire, right? And then right at the foot of the tree was the betrayal. Now at the foot of the tree is the redemption. The man mounts the wood of the tree. He becomes 
he becomes a sign, right? He becomes a living sign, the infinite God in human form stretches out to embrace all time and all space, right? That's why he said earlier, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself, right? And then the, the woman repays back fidelity, right? Our lady stands faithfully at the cross, and then our Lord restores the human family. Woman, behold your son. I know it's not your kid, but you get it right. You're standing right. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. Right? Then he invokes Psalm 22, right? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The great Jewish song of pain and suffering that ends in redemption. And then... Right, does it, makes the promise of salvation, right, testifies to his power. Today, you're with me in paradise. And to the end, right, it is finished and he dies. So he gets the, right, the whole human experience, death, and then all the way into the grave, into what is commonly called Sheol, or the underworld, where we read this in the letters of St. Peter, he preached to the souls who had come before. All the souls who had died before the merits of the cross were paid, so could not see glory, even the virtuous ones. He goes, he preaches, and breaks the gates of hell. They can no longer bind and hold, right? Unmans the devil. Great scene from the Passion of the Christ. Right? It's a per right? What was that? You see the, 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 the dramatization is the devil just screeching in vain, and all his clothes fall out. He's just naked and alone. Right? This Christ unmans the realm of the dead and the righteous go to glory. This is right. the great disturbances in Jerusalem and the tombs are open and some of the saints are seen walking around. You peruse. Right? And then right, he rises on the third day to fulfill prophecy and testimony. He leaves first the icons of his resurrection, John 21, the cloth covering his body and the one on his face. Now he leaves those. Remember that the tomb is not empty. The tomb has the body and the face cloth, which that's what the angels are there to venerate the relics of the resurrection. But they give the instruction, why do you seek the living one amongst the dead? He is not here. He has been risen just as he did. Remember what he told you. And they remembered his words. That's Luke 24, right? They remembered his words. And then, right, it's the triumph of life over death. It's not just, right, the blood hasn't just caused the angel of death to path over. The blood has destroyed the angel of death. The power of death is broken. And then the appearances, right, on the way road to Emmaus. What were you talking about as you went along the way? About Jesus, prophet, mighty, and dirt. Are you the only one who hasn't heard of these things? What things? My favorite line in Scripture, what things? Right, talk to me, tell me what troubles you, I am your Lord. And made known in the breaking of the bread, Holy Mass. And then he appears in the upper room and breathes, right? Remember, what is breath? Breath, that great Hebrew word, ruach, right? The, the breath of life, right? Whoever sins you forgive are forgiven them, right? Your, their sins will bind up. You, I breathe the breath of life to have the remission of sins all through history. Confession, right? And then the come, put your fingers into my hand and put your hand into my side and don't be unbelieving, but believe. 
and then on the Sea of Galilee. Children, have you caught anything to eat? Cast your net over, right? And when he first meets Peter, the nets tear, and Peter falls down and says, Depart from me, a sinful man. After the resurrection, the nets do not tear. It's 153 large fish. And Peter jumps in the water and runs to him and says, Right? That beautiful encounter with our Lord Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Right? Do you love me more than these? You know I love you, right? Three times Peter denied, three times he is restored. Follow me, right? And the whole life of the church is born, spends 40 days. This is the Paschal mystery, is the death and the resurrection of blessed Jesus and that Tesserite. Those terrified men who fled the crucifixion, who hid, locked in the upper room, now go everywhere, preaching in his name. He's alive, right? Suffer the worst torments, testimonying to his risen life. Show the icons of his risen life. We call them now the Shroud of Turin and the Veil of Manapello. That's an aside, but those, we have the cloth and the, the face napkin. We have it, right? And preach in this new life. We'll get to Pentecost, but that's a different class, right? We get Pentecost is important in all of this, but that's not the Paschal mystery, all right? It's the death and resurrection of our Lord who walked in his perfect nature through all sin and degradation and by his own infinite divine power raises it up, right? And what does he say? See, I am not a ghost, right? So I have flesh and blood as you have, right? And so you and I, baptized in Christ, live that very life. We walk his life because he walked our life. He is Christ anointed. He is son of the living God. And at that cross, you and I became sons and daughters, right? Mother, behold children, right? I am son. I am, in a sense, father, right? He says that also. Philip, have you been with me so long time and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father, right? Remember that, the unity of the Trinity. I'm sure Father Tim taught you, right? But whoever has seen me has seen the Father, right? So in a sense, it is the Father and the Mother, on the Holy Cross. And you and I are the sons and the daughters. Sons and the son, daughters and the son, of the mother and the son, who is also the father. And since it's, we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? See, this is, this is it. This is the great Paschal mystery. That's why we make a big deal about crosses and crucifixes and all that kind of stuff. That's why we pay, it's downstairs, right? Big honking Jesuses all over the place, right? Because now I am sovereign Lord of all life. All my teachings are validated. I'm not the Stoic who endured all things. I am the God who triumphed over all things. That's the Paschal Mystery. Now in this happy book, Dr. Shree quotes all of these things. He relies heavily on the Gospel of St. Matthew, which so did I. And you're like, I know, Father. I read it. I know that he did that, right? But again, it's a beautiful... You read it, you know? Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, good. So, right? But it does, it's that beautiful explication of these things. So, I know that was a bit sermonistic, not just like, but it was also doctrine. It was, right? I don't know if there are any questions after something, but if you have any questions, I'd be happy to address them. The textbook? 
Uh, he would define it as the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord. That is the Paschal mystery. The church does this liturgically. We have Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. Ritualistically, it's, it's called the triduum, right? The three days that are one day. That's why you, you, know, you make the sign of the cross at the start of Holy Thursday. You know how Mass starts, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then it ends, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I know it's done now, great. All right. Please open your hymnals to number such and such and sing this song that you're terrible at singing. Okay, I will. All right. But the Triduum starts, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on Holy Thursday and doesn't end, may Almighty God bless you, until the end of, which is a sign to us that the Paschal mystery is the, right, the Last Supper until the resurrection. The Last Supper, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. That is the Paschal mystery. Right? Now, last point before I go say Mass, which is great, and you all will have a lovely afternoon. And, oh, I'm sorry, James, I missed you there. Yes, well, now aren't you asking a fascinating question that has been addressed by many, many people. Um, was it necessary, not in the absolute sense, right, because God is sovereign? I think it's addressed most private church. Yes, God can do whatever God wants, but it is most fitting because it allows us to respond, all right? Our response now is not merely to an, a, a, an event or, a cons, or an idea, right? We suppose the uh, Lord could have incarnated in a different time in history and perhaps the methodology of punishment would have been different. That's certainly possible, right? Um, the crucifixion has certain significant, signification, right? All time and all space and that sort of thing, right? But, so to answer your question, strictly speaking, no, not necessarily in the absolute sense of the word. God is sovereign. But necessary in the fitting sense of the word. This is what fits humanity, which fundamentally allows us to respond, right? Because now you have to respond not merely to the propositions of Jesus. Here's my moral law. Here are my dictums. You have to respond to the person of Jesus, who is God-man, who died and now lives. So that's how I'd answer that, that question, right? And that's fundamentally right. That's one of the great differentiations of Christianity. Your response is not to law or proposition, but to person, who teaches law and gives propositions, like people do, but right? Fundamentally response, that it's, it's my tie back to the billboard, just give me Jesus, right? Which is all this. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole life, right? And it's like responding to you or you or you, right? To respond to you is to respond to a whole life, which is beautiful and fun. And until I find out what kind of, you know, music you like, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a long friendship, all right? <laughs> Or whatever, right? Because you're limited, right? Limit, right? This is the response to the limitless. And he doesn't even really care what music you listen to. Well, I mean, kind of, we, that we get to moral law, but not, in, not as such, right? A little, a little bit he cares, but not like, you know, 
You know, you can listen to ska that doesn't have cuss words. Do you know ska? Yeah, it's the worst. All right, but it exists. There are Christian, there's Christian ska. That's how you know Christians are as crazy as everyone else. There's Christian ska. Ska is the worst. But that's the, you can come here for that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyone else? Yes, please. Okay, very good. Because the name of God, right, existence, right? So God is the only non-contingent in the universe. God is not the supreme being. God is being, right? And so the, the idea is like when I tell you my name, I tell you who I am, right? right? And so God tells us who is who his name is. I am existence. Right? I am the non-contingent. So that's why. It's translated in a particular language this way, of course. So, right? so that's a great question. Right? Are you sinning against the command when you say, I am? We would say, no. Anyways, but, right? but yeah, that's why the name of God is revealed. Thus wise. It's who God is. Why do we say Pardon me? Why do we, why do we uh, it's a piety, right? It is, it is the all-holy. It is so... Holy, it is not to be said. Right. It's represented, in fact, in uh, the church I built in the Dells, I had this at the very high point of the sanctuary. It's called the Tetragrammaton, the four-lettered word, all right? But you're not supposed to, it's, it's, it's pious, right? You're not supposed to say it, right? Frankly, it's, it's one of the joys of the revelation. In the Lord Jesus, we can say the name of God, right? So you can call on God by a name, and frankly, a comprehensible name, if this is helpful, right? Jesus, Yeshua, all right? Sidebar, Joshua is the same transliteration of that, means God saves, right? It's, his name describes his function. Right? Why am I talking to this stupid phone? All right, thank you, all right. <laughs> Can you hear me on the internet here, please? Listen to my words. I'm very important. All right. I'm, I'm on a podcast. It's going to be great. Okay. Look, I took a screenshot. I don't even know how to do that. It just happened. Okay. See, technology is stupid. Everything after the industrial revolution is a waste of time except air conditioning, which I like. But anyways, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Sorry. Anything else? Okay. Thank you for listening to What We Believe. If you have any questions or would like more information about becoming Catholic, do not hesitate to reach out, and you can find our contact information on uwcatholic.org.